0: I'm Lisa DeLay, and you're listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. Welcome to Spark My Muse, everybody. Today my guest is Chris Bailey. He's a writer, a speaker, and a self-experimenter from Ottawa, Canada. Today we're going to be talking about some of these self-experiments and the findings and themes of his book. Hyper-Focus, How to Be More Productive in a World of Distractions. It's great to have you on, Chris. Welcome.
1: Hello, hello. How are you?
0: I'm good. I've enjoyed reading your book, and I'd love to kick off with some of your self-experiments because they're so interesting, and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> kind of extreme. And uh, I saw uh, some of these on your website where they were listed. It's lifeofproductivity.com. I'm really curious about a few of them. Like uh, only drinking water for a month. Why in the world would you do that?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Well, I'm sipping on a nice coffee right now. <laughs> and it's wonderful, <laughs> let me tell you. That 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 was that was kind of an odd month. I, I don't think a lot of these experiments would uh, would cross many research uh, you know institutions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they they wouldn't pass pass many ethics committees at, at traditional <laughs> universities. Right. um so so I had to do them myself. So drinking water for just um for, for a month. So I still ate food, mind you, but I cut out all the caffeine, all the alcohol, all the sugary drinks. And the first week or two were kind of rough, but you, you kind of connect with the simplicity of water, of of how you know it gives you energy, it gives you life, and uh, you know you don't need caffeine, you don't need alcohol as much as you think you do. And there's a cost to consuming these things. You know, caffeine obviously gives us that productivity, that focus boost, uh, but you know we crash a bit later on in the day, mm. and so you know we need to consume that intelligently. I think so. I'm a big advocate. Advocate for um, you know living deliberately. That that's kind of the um, the mm-hmm. central uh, point that all, all of my ideas and and the uh, the stuff I write about orbits around. And I, I would extend that to things like caffeine. Mm-hmm. Where why would you consume it first thing in the morning before you just kind of go through the motions of your daily routine? Why not consume a bit of coffee before you write something? Before you have a, a meaningful conversation before you hunker down on, on an important project or do something meaningful in your life, um, instead of just kind of going through the motions. Mm. And alcohol is a similar thing. So, you know, caffeine we crash later on in the day, mm-hmm. uh, so we, you know, there's a cost to consuming it. And I, I would, I, I've began to see alcohol. As a way by which we borrow energy as well as happiness from the following day, oh. and so we we consume a little bit of it, but there is that cost as well. Not to say that it's not worth it, but but you know we do uh, need to consider that cost if we're gonna uh, consume it more strategically. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that you know it's kind of fun because you never know what you're gonna find. Like like one unexpected thing from that experiment was I saved a ton of money. <laughs> I never really expected, and I de- didn't really consider how, you know, I eat a lot of takeout, but I also, you know, go to the pub. I, I mm-hmm. also uh, go to the coffee shop. That's where I write. That's where I read. That's where I uh, knit. And, and so when I didn't have those rituals that month, I, I think I saved, I, I forget what, what the exact number was, but something like two, three, four hundred dollars $400 just by not oh, wow. um, consuming uh, anything besides water to drink.
0: Did you lose weight?
1: I don't recall. I, I think i I would have, especially cutting out alcohol. Um, You know, there, there's so many calories involved with it. But what one one unexpected thing that I found that, that month was the social cost. Because yeah. so many of these social commitments that we have, yeah. they involve uh, drinking coffee. You say, hey, do you want to come over for some coffee? Do you want to, uh, Lisa, do you want to come over for a glass of wine? You know, then mm-hmm. we'd love to have you over. And, and so, so many of these, and you know, when you say, um, actually I'm only, drinking water this month. It, it kind of puts a damper on things a little bit, but then you get a bit more creative in, in how you ha- hang out with people as well as hang out with yourself.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, could you drink sparkling water? Did that count or was that too fancy?
1: No, no. I, I you know, I drew the line there. Sometimes to, <laughs> to make things exciting, I, I put a bit of lemon in water um, just to kind of spice things up a little bit. Sometimes I would boil water and put lemon in it on a really... Kind of, you know, if I wanted to Whoa. live on the edge and really like be a badass for a little bit, I would do that. <laughs> but you know, that's Yeah. Besides that, not really, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. It's it's interesting to see what something means in your life. You know, people do this sometimes for for lent or uh you know the 40 days before easter and they'll cut something out and it's interesting how it brings different things into focus what what you feel like is meaningful or isn't it's Mm -hmm. an interesting sort of spiritual practice but also um you know what do you actually need or you think oh if i didn't have coffee i'd die you know would you no (laughs) turns out you don't (laughs) um and how long did it take you to sort of adjust or, or did you not adjust in that month period? Probably
1: about a week because, mm-hmm. you, you know, when we become reliant on, we, we don't really become reliant on on alcohol, you know, in, in most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, caffeine, mm. our body begins to depend upon it for for energy. Mm. Um, you, you know, it's, it, it's an adenosine reuptake inhibitor, which basically just means that it stops our brain from telling us that we're tired and mm-hmm. our, our brain kind of adapts to how much caffeine that we consume and so um it grows more of these adenosine receptors in our mind so that we instantly feel like we've hit a wall um mm. because um caffeine kind of tricks uh, our brain into thinking that we're not as uh, tired as we actually are you know it's not that it gives us energy it, it's that it prevents us from feeling a lack of energy. And so we feel like we're, we're focused and at our peak. Um, and, and so our body adapts and, and depending on how reliant you are on caffeine, you know, this is, this is kind of the thing about personal productivity that, that I write about is it's personal, you know, we're all mm. wired differently. Um, we all live different lives. We all, do different types of work, and so we need to really adapt for for how individual we are. But at the same time, you know, our our bodies, our minds are wired differently. So some people it might take them a week to to adjust. Some people it might take two weeks. Um, I really do recommend doing a caffeine reset, though. Yeah. So if you find that you have a week, maybe you're on vacation and you can slow down a little bit the first few days. I'll be honest. Depending on how much you <laughs> have, they'll they'll be rough. And so, if you have a quite a bit, it might be worth uh, dwindling how much you consume over time. So, mm. one, one way of doing this, a way that you won't even notice, is say you put four cups of or, or four scoops of coffee in in the in the percolator in the morning. You know, for for one the first week, just kind of do three uh, high test scoops and one decaf scoop. Then go two and two. Then one and three. And then full decaf until you've weaned yourself off of it. Um, but going cold turkey, it's not as bad as as you might think. Um, one, one little tip with regard to that, uh, if I may, is wait until you're sick, and so you catch a cold, and mm. um, or, or a flu, and so you're kind of out of commission to some extent anyway. And once you feel that flu hit, stop drinking caffeine because, you know, it kind of makes it tingly and a bit tired anyway. Um, but at the same time, you know, you kind of blame the lack of energy on the cold or the flu instead of, yeah. of, of the lack of caffeine. And so it's a nice way of resetting as well.
0: Yeah. I was talking to somebody who's trained to be a nurse and she was saying that you have a caffeine addiction. If you basically, if you're having more than two a day, there is some level of addiction there. And I was mm-hmm. like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, oh no. How yeah. How
1: much do you have? Every well, day?
0: I'm cutting down to about that amount because that that actually okay. interrupted my my blindness, my autopilot, as you talk about in the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but my daughter, who's a tenth grader, has been a heavy consumer for a while, and she's like, "What? She has like seven, six, seven cups a day," and I'm like, "Yeah, we gotta, we got to stop. We got to we got to draw back." on that into some sanity. But it, it is interesting because you don't...
1: And she she probably doesn't even sweat. She percolates. And...
0: Yeah, right. They'd have to put in a caffeine IV or something if she's yeah. in the hospital. So <laughs> it, it does, yeah, it, it really does mess with your energy levels if you get off your know, afternoon coffee habit. Like if you... Ha- I was used to having something in the afternoon as a pickup, and then you don't have that and you feel like you're really dragging until the evening, I have something in the evening, I'm trying to drop off one of those, either the evening one or the afternoon one. And um, so, yeah, but just being aware of what are my habits and, and what are the things I'm relying on that I don't need to be is, is pretty, you know, it helps us to get more attuned with what's going on.
1: It, it's not fun to be reliant on anything, is it? And the, this is something that I found, you know, it's you know, I, I got to be honest, it, it, you know, the hyper focus, it's, it's such an intense sounding book <laughs> title, but it's basically as you probably found a book about mindfulness and what you realize when you become mindful of of your attention is just how many things we're reliant on over the course of the day. Yeah. You know, we, um, the, m- many of us, our, our phone is what wakes us up. And so we get it off of the nightstand and then we see, oh, we got two emails overnight. Let's check what those are about. Then we hop over to Instagram and we uh, look through some fitness and food pictures, if your feed is anything like mine. And then you maybe go over t- to Twitter, you check the news, what's going on in the world today. A- and before you know it, you know your half an hour has gone by and you've you've spent the time instead of you know living your life or saying uh, or speaking with your partner for a half an hour, or or enjoying a nice cup of coffee, if if that's something you love doing in the morning, I won't guilt anybody into not having a cup of coffee in in the morning because it's <laughs> it's delicious. But as, you know it's 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 always good to question our habits. Um, mm-hmm. You know what whatever you like to savor in the morning, your phone is preventing you from savoring it. And uh, I, this isn't my quote. I forget who said it originally, but if if the first thing you did in the morning was reach for a bottle of whiskey, you'd be an alcoholic. And so what does it say about the state of our attention that the first thing we do is reach for our phones and and spend half an hour on them bouncing around between uh, a a bunch of stimulating applications? And, And so I think You know, just as bringing this um, level of deliberateness to drinking caffeine to, uh, you know, there are dozens of of other experiments that Mm -hmm. that we can dive into, but, you know, working, how many hours we work, um, whether or not we have a meditation practice, um, you know, whether or not we invest in our happiness by, say, journaling or recalling things that we're grateful for every day, these things you know, we we need to approach the habits in our life, like you said, with deliberateness, with with intention. And, and you know, I should mention that the word productivity is a very loaded term. But I'm I'm kind of on a mission to make the word more human. Um, you know, so many people when they hear the word productivity, they think of something that's so cold and corporate and all about this efficiency and effectiveness, whatever the heck those terms actually mean <laughs> but but I think you know we should be seeing productivity as whether or not we accomplish what we intend intended to do in the first place mm. and so If our intention is to have a a day in which we disconnect and we savor the world around us, we enjoy the cup of coffee in the morning, we enjoy the presence of our family, of of our partner, we uh, enjoy the meals that we eat, we uh, dive deeper into into our meditation practice, we have a chance to read and slow down, and we do, I would argue that we're perfectly Productive in that day. We're more productive in a day that day than when we kind of live on autopilot without intention behind what we're doing. And and that intention behind our actions, it's kind of like the wood behind an arrow. We absolutely need it in order to accomplish uh, more over the course of the day. And more than that, you know, we need it to accomplish more of what we actually truly deeply want to accomplish you know mm. whether that's work related whether that's home related now i think you know when you see things from this perspective you know productivity it, it, intention should be behind almost everything that we do it's 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 what makes us human
0: mm-hmm. yeah and you talk a little bit about that when you when you talk about doing laziness you don't call it the proper way to do laziness that's kind of my <laughs> <laughs> the way i read it because i thought being idle is something that we're very good at now because of our smartphones, those of us who have them, uh, which is most of us. Uh, we we bounce around on them. I certainly do. I bounce from a news thing to my Twitter feed and back to something else. I really enjoy reading on my phone, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that I'm idle in a good way at all. It means that I'm, I'm taking up a lot of extra sort of space that could be used in my brain for Relaxing and and coming up being able to come up clean again for uh, new ideas and yeah. new projects, maybe you can talk a little bit about the, your idea of of laziness and being idle in in a different way,
1: yeah, so my frame of laziness is idleness it's um it's not. Busyness. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I would kind of classify bouncing around between a bunch of different apps, like like that example of when many of us wake up in the morning. Um, you know, I, I would classify that as sort of busyness. Idleness would be anything that allows us to let our mind wander a little bit. Um so it, it's that cup of coffee we're sipping, it's that that conversation that we're having without our phone, by our side, um, it, it's that walk through nature where we just have a notepad with us and nothing else. It's uh, it's people watching, you know, going downtown and and having a cup of tea and watching the people go by. It's it's a trip through an art gallery. It's um, it, it's a it's a piece of music that we love that lets our mind. Rest, and we get that that contemplative enjoyment out of these experiences, uh, in a way that we don't get those when we just kind of use our phone. You know, th- there's there's no depth, frankly, when when we're using our phone, like there is when when we're listening to a, a piano concerto or or a piece of music. I don't, I don't know anything about classical music, so I hope <laughs> a piano concerto is a, a thing. But <laughs> but I, I just say like, hey. I won't say, hey, Siri, uh, play (laughs) piano music, and she'll play like this beautiful piano piece, and I love it. I I don't know anything about it. I want to be one of those people that enjoys classical music, but I don't know if I'll... If uh, if I'll ever understand it as much as I appreciate it, but (laughs) but (laughs) it's anything that lets our mind wander a little bit. There's a quote that I love in the book um, from John Lubbock. I I think he wrote this in a book called The Use of Life, and it's it's a quote that sticks with me. And he he says that rest is not idleness, and to sit sometimes on the grass, under the trees, on a summer's day, listening to the murmur of water, watching the clouds float across the blue sky, is by no means a waste of time. And when you look at where our mind goes to, when it's at rest, when our attention is is just at ease, it, it frankly goes to some beautiful and productive places. And, and you see these little moments throughout the day when your mind just has a chance to be and, and rest. Maybe you're doing something something as simple as walking to the meeting room that's across your office. And, and you don't have your phone, you leave it at the desk, and you find that your mind naturally goes to the meeting. You think about what you want to accomplish out of that experience. You think about the uh, people that will be there, what you need to catch up with them on, and, and you know, it, it's it's in these little moments that we reflect. You know, and, and this is <clears throat> this is one of the fascinating things that I uncovered over the course of writing this book. I thought, okay, I'm going to write a book on how we can focus on things all day because we're so distracted, we're so overwhelmed. But uh, along the way, and this was something that surprised me, was uh, I, I came across a lot of research that that supported the idea that one of the worst things that we can do for our focus, for uh, our productivity, is focusing on things all day long. Mm. We need these periods of unfocusing on things to actually move our work forward. We can't focus and reflect on the same time. And it's these little moments of, of contemplative enjoyment, or just simply contemplation between doing things that allows us to move everything forward. Um, one of the most uh, alarming um, and, and wonderful statistics I encountered in writing the book was that when our mind is wandering, it wanders to think about the future about half of the time, sure. more than the present and the past combined. Um, and, and the runner up is, is, the, um, is the present. We think about the present about, um, about two or about a third of the time. And so, you know, th- these are times when we're connecting the dots. It's when we're approaching things strategically. It's when we're, uh, it's when we're planning our day. And you know, most of us, if you think back to when your best ideas strike you, they probably hit not when you're focused, but when you're taking a shower in the morning, mm-hmm. when, when you're when you're in one of these moments of just contemplation. And we shouldn't only get our ideas in the shower. We shouldn't only plan in the shower. We need these moments throughout the day as well.
0: Yeah, you were talking about how we actually like, even though we complain about distractions and interruptions kind of throwing us off, we actually like them because we don't like to feel bored. Hmm. And I I thought that was an interesting uh, insight because there is a little bit of fear of of being bored. I, I was eating. Uh, yeah. I was. I, I teach down in Philadelphia, and I was eating lunch by myself because. I didn't want to be with my students. Basically, <laughs> to eat You lunch.
1: hate your students.
0: <laughs> I need my little breaks, and so um, <laughs> I'm trying very hard to eat my lunch and not look at my phone. To just enjoy the food and how it tastes, and uh, try to absorb my surroundings. And I'm finding like myself thinking, like, don't think about your phone. <laughs> you know, just but because it was <laughs> a little bit boring. You know, but I'm not because I'm not used to it. And yet, I'm trying to be mindful, and I'm. You know, thinking about my environment, but I'm also drawn back to the pleasure of distraction.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of of putting it the the pleasure of distraction. And and, uh, on a neurological level, that you see research that supports that idea. We have this, frankly, it's a bias towards towards distraction in our mind um, and you know whenever we focus on something that's novel in our environment our, our brain rewards us with a hit of dopamine <laughs> a pleasure chemical of our mind um, and, and so we you know go back to that example of us lying down in bed we go to Instagram we get a hit of dopamine we check our email we get a hit of dopamine we uh, go over to check the news we get a hit of dopamine and we b- before we know it we've uh, kind of fallen into this loop of bouncing around between the same, uh, five or six applications. It's because of this novelty bias and th- this, all of this dopamine coursing through our mind. It makes us so. Uh, stimulated throughout the day. And, and I think, you know, we, we talk about distractions quite a bit, and it's an easy thing to focus on because um, because you you think, oh, you know, I can't get anything done, and there's so many distractions. That must be the problem. But I, I would argue that the problem is a bit deeper. And it, instead of distraction, you know, distraction is kind of a symptom of the problem. But the, the deeper problem is just that we're so Stimulated by default. You know, every time we focus on something that's new and novel, which our mind rewards us for focusing on because of this distraction bias, we reward ourselves um, and, and get accustomed to this higher level of stimulation. And so that when you find that you have a small moment in your day that you can just kind of let your mind be and wander a little bit and rest, you don't want to because that involves adjusting downward into a lower level. Of stimulation. You go from, um, you know, one of the most alarming um, uh, statistics I encountered in, in writing the book was that on average, when we're working in front of a computer, we focus on one thing for just 40 seconds before we switch to focusing on something else. Wow! And it's, it's remarkable. And so you observe this when you look on your phone. You bounce between apps 40 seconds. Um, when you're on the computer, maybe you go from doing a report to doing email for 40 seconds, then you do you go back to the 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 website for 40 seconds, and you bounce between things every 40 seconds. And because we're Switching through things so often, there's this pattern of fragmented attention that follows us uh, and, and affects the quality of our attention throughout the day as well. And so it, it's frankly, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it's the way our mind is wired because, you know, instead of hyper-focusing on you know, building—it's because of our evolution. Instead of focusing on building a fire, at the detriment of focusing on the saber-tooth tiger, the novel uh, threat that was encroaching in on our environment, we noticed the threat, we dealt with the threat, we survived to live another day, as well as build another fire. Uh, but of course, these days, the the nearest. Tigers are at the zoo and we're surrounded by uh, uh, things that are more novel than than we've ever experienced before mm. and so of course we fall victim to it, it, it it's only when we're uh, often on a deadline that we focus on on our work because when something's on a deadline it becomes more novel than a distraction mm. and so I think it's so critical to uh, adjust downward into a state of lower stimulation. Uh, And, you know, that's very easy for me to come on a podcast and say, oh, you just need to be less stimulated. You know, it (laughs) takes time. It it takes effort. um, But it's so, so... Worthwhile. Um, it, it does take about a week, about eight days to adjust downward. And you, you know th- th- there's a, a good example of this is a vacation. And so it takes you about a week, about eight days, the research shows, which is frankly longer than many vacations. Right. But it takes us about eight days to kind of Ease out of work and stop thinking about it and adjust downward again. And and frankly, distractions are the same way. I I think we need to give it a bit of time where we work through that restlessness. You know, restlessness uh, is kind of this short term cost to developing a deeper and uh, more deliberate quality of attention.
0: Well, that brings me to one of the experiments I was gonna ask you about because there might have not been a lot of novel things when you were living like a caveman for a month. And I also wanna know <laughs> what living like a caveman means. Like does that mean that you were washing yourself in a river or hunting and gathering? <laughs> <laughs> what, is no. what did that? You entail? Know, I, tried,
1: I tried to live a you know, a normal life. Like I, I walked everywhere in these like barefoot shoes. Uh, so you know, I probably would have looked a bit odd in the where I live if I if I had just actually been barefoot. So I, I didn't take things to that level. But I slept on the floor. Um, there's a whole subculture of people that sleep on the floor because uh, apparently we we evolved to do this. But I just had a sore back, and there's a, a, an equal or greater number number of articles saying. Just sleep on a bed. Like, come on, you, you need you need to support your back. You shouldn't sleep on the floor. Uh, my feet got all sore and stuff. You know, lit, lit like a caveman. But I, you know, I moved like a caveman, so I got as much physical uh, activity as one would. It's about five to nine uh, miles of of movement movement every day. I ate like a caveman. You know, mostly paleo uh, diet, but less meat than than is usually on a paleo diet because we didn't eat a lot of meat. Um, evolutionarily speaking, and it it was a fun one because, you know, when you, and, and you know, the, the conclusions were kind of obvious on some level, but curious on another, because I lived in all of the ways that maximized how much energy I had. So, you know, I don't remember consuming coffee. I might, I'd have to go back, you know, when when you conduct enough experiments over a long enough period of time, you sometimes forget, (laughs) forget the, the intricacies of them. But, you know, I had more energy because I ate Zero processed foods, which which compromise how much energy uh, we have. I, I moved more, and so of course I had more energy because of that. Because you know, I, there there was enough uh, of an outlet for me to deal with any stress and and uh, you know, kind of recharge over those those long walks. And, and it was it was a pretty fun experiment, but um, I don't think we need to live <laughs> in many of those ways. We can sleep on a bed. We should probably eat fewer processed things um, and move more. But uh, but it's 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 helpful to look back to our evolution and and how we evolved to thrive in order to figure out ways to live a better life today.
0: Our modern times really are built for convenience, but that convenience can really mm-hmm. come back and and do us in.
1: Yeah, it really can. You know? I
0: always think of uh, when I see when I go to like a, a store and there's all these scooters out some people need they're they've hurt themselves or they're you know disabled and then some people it's it's like that wally movie where everybody you know in the ship on these on these things because they they never walk anymore and and you're kind of thinking well we when was the last time i had a good walk
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and you know the Yeah, I don't want to bash people, who, but but like at the same time, if you use the scooter, the the way to not use it anymore is to not use a scooter, and so it's tough at first, but you know eventually you kind of move more, you walk more. And I think we we've uh, many of us, most of us even, have fallen out of touch with. How we we were evolved to thrive. You know, we're we're not frankly we're not meant to deal with as many stressors in our environment as we have today. Um, You know, we we are surrounded by more distractions than we've ever been surrounded by in in our entire evolutionary history. We're we're surrounded. You know, our, our attention in addition to anything that's novel, it. Is drawn like a magnet to anything that's to other things. We, we're we, we're naturally drawn to anything that is pleasurable as well. Mm. we and finally we're drawn to anything that we find threatening in the mm. moment. And, and so pleasures, you know, they're they're plentiful. L- look at uh, how big pornography is on the internet. How big social media apps are, um, Instagram, Facebook. The, these are full of these. Pleasures that are usually often also novel, so they take advantage of of both of those biases at the same time and and threats you know there are so many threats that we can find and you know we we think we live in a world that has more noise today than than say five years ago, but the noise was there five years ago there there were Shootings. There, there were muggings. There, there were crimes. There were, you know, attacks. There, there, there were all these, you know, these series of of unfortunate events that we could pay attention to if we chose to, and, and because our attention is naturally uh, drawn to anything that's novel and threatening, we pay attention to these things and we feel uh, so much noise in the world. And, and so I, I think, you know. This was one of the things that surprised me in, in writing this book and, and doing this project. Is you know, it's bigger, it's a bigger idea than productivity. And I, I think this is something that we need to take to heart is that the state of our attention um, determines the state of our lives. And, and so, if we're distracted in each moment, those moments don't exist in isolation, they build up over time. Uh, so we're distracted in each moment. They, those moments of distraction build up day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, to make a life that feels distracted and, and like we don't have a purpose or, or, or have a clear direction for where we want to go because there's little intention behind what we're doing in the moment. Um, that there, was, there was one study that, that really stuck with me And it it involved the Boston Marathon bombings, I think in in 2013, and the researchers examined two groups of people. Uh, The first group of people watched six or more hours of news coverage about the Boston Marathon bombings, and the second group of people were in the marathon. They they were running in the marathon, And, and they found that those who watched six or more hours of news coverage about the Boston Marathon bombings were more likely to develop PTSD than somebody who was in the bombing and personally affected by it. Wow. (laughs) So the state of our attention really does determine the state of our lives, what we consume. Over the course of the day, that's that you know that's the lens through which we uh, see the world. And, and so, if we're constantly consuming negative information, we were chatting a bit about this before we we kicked off the the conversation. You know, if if we're constantly consuming negative information, we're going to become negative because we are you know just as we are what we eat, we are what we consume when it comes to to the information we take in. Um, you know, the um, the single biggest predictor. Of fear and anxiety in our lives is how much time we spend watching TV talk shows. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're
1: we're recording this after the uh, mi- midterm election day in the United States, and so I I, <laughs> I kind of t- dipped my my toe I- into the political waters yesterday, and I thought, oh, wow, what would it be like to consume this? One hundred percent of the time, there's so much noise, there's so much negativity, and and very little uh, positivity there. Instead of reading a book on on how we can make a bigger difference, we we pay attention to the novel threats uh, on, on television. And you know what? Um, I, I think this is a, a, an attentional bias that we need to be aware of. You know, frankly, and and that awareness will, um, I think, make us cognizant of just how much this stuff affects us.
0: Mm. Well since we're talking about that, I it would be great to segue into um, some of the things you do for focus and um calming, I guess, meditation. You you have talked about your own meditation experiments, but I know you've also mentioned about breathing meditation and some of the apps you you have used, like Headspace and Insight Timer. Yeah. What does your practice look like?
1: I have a daily 30 minute Vipassana meditation practice. And, and when I find that, you know, I find that most meditators, they go through waves of, of meditating. And so they're really into it for, for a month because they think, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm so stressed out. Why am I so stressed out? Um, maybe it's the news. I'll stop watching that, but okay, I'm still stressed out. (laughs) And, uh, oh, I haven't meditated in a long time. And so um, th- so that person starts uh, meditating and then they feel less stressed out. And sometimes something works so well that you stop doing it.
0: And, um, <laughs> yeah, and this right.
1: person that, I, that I'm describing is myself. Right. And so I go through waves. <laughs> yo-yo, and I stuff, think, yeah. I think w- what's that?
0: I, like yo-yo dieting or something. You kind of yeah, yeah, try
1: exactly. it. -yo yo meditating right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and so when I find that I've fallen off of the
0: mm-hmm. the
1: meditation wagon I'm almost always more stressed out than I was before mm-hmm. but I use that as a cue to go on a meditation retreat usually for seven or ten days which gives me enough of a of a push to meditate for another six months in, in a constant way so I've noticed these rhythms in myself over time but I, I've had a uh, I'd like to say that I, I have a daily Vipassana, uh, meditation practice for around 30 minutes. And, um, you know, I, I do that probably over the course of the year, um, on about 70 to 80% of days. And, and I, I like to use the, um, insight timer app, but often I just kind of start a, a timer on my phone and often it counts upwards. And so instead of something counting downwards and I'm peeking uh, at how often, uh, how much time I have, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I'll just, you know, it's okay. I'll, uh, I'll observe my mind for a little bit. I'll I'll see okay how long how much tension am I holding in my body? <clears throat> you know what what am I holding on to in my mind? Where is my wh- where is my my anxiety coming from today? Where what kind of you know, you know, this is something that I, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's a big shift that I personally made with my own meditation practices. I used to think, okay, I have to meditate. And, and I would sit down, my meditation cushion is right by my chair. I'm touching it with my foot right now. It's right in my office here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I, I would sit and see it as something that I had to do every day. Mm-hmm. But then I did a shift in my mind, I think after watching a Dharma talk from a, a, a monk that I like. And I began to approach my practice with a genuine curiosity Mm. of, the state of my mind that day. Where is my mind going to wander today? What kind of fantasies is it going to come up with? Mm-hmm. What is it going to remember and then re-remember and then re-re-remember in the practice today? Um, it, what's the condition of my attention? Am I distracted? Do I feel restless? Do I, do I feel overwhelmed? You know, What is the state of my mind today? And I think when you approach things from that direction, meditation becomes quite beautiful because you get To embrace your mind, get to hold your mind and think, okay, mind, how are you doing today? You know what's up? What's troubling you? What's uh, what are you happy about? What what, what's your state today? And it you know it becomes less of an obligation and more of an opportunity to connect with how you're doing that day. And sometimes I'll I'll do this in the morning and I'll say, okay, my mind is very distracted today. Maybe, Maybe today. Well, it, it, I'm not going to write. And so I'm going to have a creative day where I connect these disparate pieces of information, where I go to a cafe with just a notepad and no headphones, leave my phone at home to, to people watch and, and caffeinate and, and connect ideas. Be, because if I'm more distracted, maybe that'll mean that, I, that an idea is on the way. Uh, and some days I'll, I'll think, okay, I'm able to focus on my breath, for twenty of these thirty minutes, that's incredible. I, I, I'm going to write today and, and have a focus today instead. So it, it's a way of kind of connecting with yourself that, that I love doing uh, every single day. Most of most
0: <laughs> yeah, unless you're not doing it. <laughs> but, exactly. But it's what's interesting is is how you um, speak about it. So some people do meditation, and there's, there's different forms and, and uh, different modes of doing it. Some people will try to clear their minds, and then and then. Come back, and and um, what you're talking about is a lot of noticing, which is also yeah. uh, focused focused mindfulness and awareness practice. I,
1: I think it's impossible to clear your mind without being hard on your mind. You know, you need you need an alternative object of attention to, to observe or else you're just trying to shove thoughts out. Uh, and, um, and it's not, uh, you know, meditation, I think it should be a practice of self-kindness, not of, um, not of trying to wedge your mind into, you know, into a, into a square shaped hole.
0: <laughs> right. And I've noticed for myself too, um, just if I'm going to be outside for a little bit, I might just, listen for things for a while and just try to be attentive and focused on just listening to all the surrounding sounds. And it, that might not sound like meditation to somebody, but it does create a lot more focus for me and it, yeah. it, sh- it chills me down. And mm-hmm. people have, you know, different things are going to work for different people. Um, but you do talk about how our working memory is can be increased by 30%. And there was a study on that. And um, so it's not just something that's like, you know, it's, it's scientifically backed how helpful it is to our brain to to come into regular times of meditation.
1: Oh, yeah. And um, and if I may be candid for for a bit, I probably wouldn't meditate if if I didn't find that it had that practical benefit, mm-hmm. because. It's thirty minutes. <laughs> that's a lot of time <laughs> so, that, right. that you can spend doing other things. Mm. That's half of a workout. Mm. That's uh, that's a massage for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> like, in my mind, meditation needs to be as good as a massage for, <laughs> for me to stick with it. But, but I find that I'm able to write about 40% more words when I meditate. It's, it's because of that, that one study that you mentioned, which, which compared meditation, mind you, to yoga, which also slows your mind down, um, to, uh, to also just kind of uh, nothing at all. all. And they found that when we have uh, a, a consistent meditation practice, our working memory, so in other words, uh, our attentional space, how much we're able to uh, process in any one moment increases by about 30%. So this is kind of the, you know, it, it's kind of like how a how a computer has RAM. You know, y- you essentially are able to process more uh, in the moment. And And so, you know, 30%, it sounds like a small jump, but when you look at the things that are 30% more complex than what you're focusing on instead over the course of the day, that's a huge, huge leap in terms of how much you can do in the moment, how uh, deeply you're able to dive into conversations. And it does this while increasing your meta-awareness. And so, in other words, how aware you are over the thoughts that are passing through your mind. And, And so, because of that, you notice that you've gotten distracted more often. You notice, okay, I'm in this uh, dopamine-fueled feedback loop where I'm bouncing around between a bunch of uh, novel distractions every 40 seconds, say, um, and the 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 cost of falling into a pit of distraction is quite large. Um, so you look at yourself lying down in bed. And I'm not calling you but I'm saying like anybody uh, it was it was me uh, before I was writing this book for sure. Um, you know we spend about half an hour in bed in the morning do, doing this this uh, ritual this little bed morning ritual of, of poking around on our phone. And you look at distraction a, as we work as well. And on average when we're interrupted or or distracted completely so often we're able to get back on track but sometimes we we get sucked into a wormhole uh, it takes us an average of 25 minutes to get back on track and you know and it takes about 22 minutes when somebody interrupts us but when we interrupt ourselves <laughs> it takes 29 minutes to get back on track uh, and, and so if if you have a daily half an hour meditation practice and you notice just once that you've gotten distracted, that you're, you're, you feel the urge and, like to just pick up your phone and, and check it a little bit. If you notice that once, the practice is basically paid for itself. And that's not counting how much more attention you have for things in the moment. That's not counting how much more meaningful your life becomes. And this is... You know th- this is, I think, a truth about our attention. It's bigger than productivity. You know, it's nice to focus on things all day long, but it's also nice to to see the meaning around us. You know, I, I love that word noticing. You know, we notice the uh, the flavors of a cup of coffee. We notice the intention behind what somebody's trying to say. We we notice how other people are feeling. We notice. Uh, the world around us, and, and you know, I, I I like to say that uh, no cheeseburger is as delicious as the one you focus on 100% of your attention, <laughs> and, and you know, no experience, no conversation is as meaningful as the one you focus on with 100% of your attention, and, and I think this is a lesson that we need to take to heart. And when we're able to align our attention with um, with our intention throughout the day, frankly, um, meditation helps us get there. It's one of the only practices that have been proven um, through through scores of, of academic studies to increase the quality of our attention. It, it decreases our unintentional mind wandering. So sometimes a wandering mind is a productive mind when we want it to wander, <laughs> when we're walking through an art gallery or something. But when our intention is to focus, it really does uh, disrupt our productivity. But meditation allows us to become more aware of when our mind wanders. It allows us to focus for a longer period of time, and it allows us to work with a greater level of intention behind what we're doing. And it's it takes time, right? And this is what I think uh, disturbs a lot of people with the practice. They think, you know, half an hour, it's a lot of time. But here's here's a quick little tactic that, that I find works really well is if you think, okay, I don't have time to meditate for, let's say you have a goal of doing 20 minutes a day. Um, you say, I don't have time to watch it or or to meditate for 20 minutes. Ask yourself, okay, do I have time to watch an episode of Friends for 20 minutes? And the answer is usually yes. You know, you can find the time for an episode of Friends. <laughs> and so what what you really mean to say is that you don't have the attention to meditate. And the will. Yeah. The, you know, the the saying I don't have time for that is the biggest BS saying in the world, in my opinion. We all have time for everything. You know, Barack Obama uh, had time to work out every single morning when he was president. You know, <laughs> there's no excuse for you not to work out. You have the time for it. You just spend it on other things.
0: Right. And so it's a,
1: it's a nice little mental swap to identify when, when you're really just trying to trick yourself.
0: The idea of giving yourself more ability to be aware that you're aware or not aware mm-hmm. is a huge tool in, in your toolbox for every day, what, whatever it is that you're encountering. I, I don't know if you're aware of David Desteno's work, but he, no, he was a guest on my podcast and he's written some excellent books. The last one that he wrote was called Emotional Success, The Power of Gratitude, Compassion, and Pride, which doesn't cover some of the the best parts of the title doesn't really attend to some of the best parts of this book, which were on mindfulness and meditation. And, and the studies that he, he cites in the book talk about the specifics of mindfulness, helping people with compassion and empathy in these really, really interesting ways um, that would, that help, you know, people in, in regular daily life. Like whether someone was going to give up their seat for a person who had Hurt themselves uh, and and mm. had uh, something wrong with their leg, and the instances where they would and wouldn't do that based on whether they were doing uh, twenty minutes of meditation three times a oh, week. Oh wow! And it's it's remarkable because what's happening is people have more space in their mind to think about how others feel, um, and <laughs> it's like, well, that would that would be really nice if we were thinking about you know, putting, being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, it gives you more mm-hmm. room to think about that. And then it's, it's yeah. they're proving it empirically. So I really appreciated his work. You probably would be, um, it would probably be really helpful if you, I mean, I think you would really enjoy it. His work. Yeah.
1: So. No, it sounds, it sounds incredible. It's right up your alley, Chris. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 but, um, uh, the whole idea of being, of working that muscle, whatever, that, that, uh, practice of focus Has so many implications in life, but in in work, in life, and whatever your passions are, I can see it going out into many many different areas. Um, I was wondering too if you're off onto any other experiments or to any other projects that are taking up your focus.
1: In terms of right now,
0: in terms of writing, or what's what's going to happen after the hyper focus um, book promotion. Oh
1: man, yeah, <laughs> that that cycle is spinning right now, mm-hmm. as you can probably imagine. But um, for for me, you know, what gives me the greatest pleasure in the world, it, you know, my my whole philosophy is my work exists to to help uh, uh, other people live better lives, and, and so everything I try to do is aligned with that one singular purpose and so it's always you know a matter of searching for for the next thing that, that will hopefully help people out because you know I, i'm fortunate that i get to write books about this topic and you know there, you know there, are i have a good audience online and so I, i'm always searching for that one topic you know right now i think it's distraction where we've never uh, been surrounded by so many uh, novel things. And so I'm going out, I'm speaking about that, I'm lecturing about it uh, at various places. I'm pimping the book uh, in a lot of different places, as as you can probably imagine. But I, I, I'm really fascinated by this idea of intention. And um, all of my work has circled uh, this one very idea. So maybe over the coming years, the, this will be one that I delve into a bit more deeply but also noticing i'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of you know we, we there are so many things to notice in each moment and noticing the beauty and the and the meaning around us that fascinates me too mm-hmm. um that this idea of com- contemplative enjoyment of you know there's so many ideas <laughs> and this is the problem you know you got to pick one that, that that that'll work but yeah but uh yeah, it's just I uh, mm-hmm. I I feel like the man I feel like the luckiest person in the world that I get to be curious for a living that ah. and that help, helps other people out as a as a uh, as as the main reason I do it.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and there was a lot in your book uh, for listeners, there's a lot in your book about real concrete ways of how to tame distractions as you call it. I think that's very helpful book. It's a very useful book. I think people will get oh, a lot out of it. Um, where else can people find your work and and what you're up to?
1: Yeah, so the book is called Hyperfocus. It's in any bookstore around the world. I think we, we're up to 14 different languages now for for where it's distributed, and English <laughs> happens to be one of them. You, you'll be happy to know. <laughs> and so, any bookstore, any audio bookstore, it's on Audible. If you like the sound of my voice, if you don't like the sound of my voice, there's a physical copy with a lot of illustrations that I that I made myself with, yeah. with a designer. And and so, you know, I think uh, you know, I'm really proud of how that turned out. And uh, my website, I think you mentioned it. I'll, I'll get one more plug in for it. It's called a life of productivity.com and it's about this uh, frankly more human uh, approach to productivity where it's not about doing more 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 faster 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 it's about uh living and working with intention over the course of the day cuz that's that's what makes us human and i think that's what it's all about.
0: Mm. And are you available on the socials or are you trying to cut that out of your life to be more productive?
1: I really only do Twitter right now. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think I'm on Instagram. Let me check. uh, Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at uh, Chris underscore Bailey. And um, I'm on Instagram. I always forget my Instagram. It's Chris Bailey Auth, A-U-T-H, which stands for author. And my last post was um two months ago so please don't you, you can follow me there but you please you won't really get much return out of that investment
0: not a lot of dopamine <laughs> on that one
1: no no there are some nudes it's, no there aren't <laughs> did you say dope.
0: did you say nudes
1: nudes yeah they try to get people to follow them this is the level i'm stooping to right now
0: <laughs> i thought you said dudes and i was like huh Oh, news. What? That's even worse. Yeah, worse. <laughs> Don't even
1: go near my Instagram.
0: <laughs> Stay away from the Instagram. You don't know yes. what you're going to find.
1: No. And, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you have any final like words of wisdom or tips or anything else you'd like to tell my listeners?
1: I think keep that idea in mind that the state of your attention determines the state of your life. I would, you know, I would even notice a few times today, you know, here's something practical, uh, tactical to walk away with. Notice a few times what's on your mind, maybe set a timer for, for depending if you're listening to this in the morning, maybe 1 PM, 3 PM, 7 PM, 9 PM. And what's the state of your mind? What's the state of your attention when the timer goes off? Are you distracted? Are you overwhelmed? Um, are, are you processing too much? Are you multitasking? Are you feeling stressed out because you're you're consuming a lot of news? You know, really check up on the state of your attention. And um, and I, I think it's it's one of the most powerful ingredients we have today. Uh, not not only for getting more done, but also for living a better and more meaningful and creative, life that's aligned to what we really, really care about. And, and so bringing some awareness to that and, and noticing the qualities of it is one of the best things that we can do.
0: Mm. I like the idea of checking in also. It's just, it's just kind of making us stay out of our heads to kind of be where we are. I like that idea yeah. a lot. So thank you so much, Chris. I hope we can keep in touch with whatever projects you're doing. Always, you're um, always welcome to come on and, and share.